Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. Into each life some rain must fall But too much, too much is falling in mine With International Men's Health Week being in June It's a reminder for all of us to be aware of our health and to put things in place that will keep us healthy. But what about people who are so obsessed by every ache and pain? Ewan works in an emergency department with the Crisis Psychiatric Team, our regular guest on Light and Life. He's currently doing his PhD on mental health risk assessment. Ewan, I'm just reading the diary of a confessed semi-professional hypochondriac. December 21, why am I losing weight? Could it be that I haven't ate meat in a while? I read somewhere in a book that a person with breast cancer lost a lot of weight. December 22, I noticed that I have a lot of anxiety today. Ovarian cancer could cause anxiety, so does mad cow disease. I also noticed a slight stinging on my left side. It is probably a sign of ovarian cancer, the silent killer. December 24, I developed a pinkish pimple on my hip. I am so scared now, I think logical. My lupus count was elevated. It says that you can develop red legions, which could be a symptom of lupus. Interesting uh, diary, isn't it? I mean, we can. some people might laugh at that, but it's not really something that should be laughed at, is it? No, you're right, Chris. It gives a good example of how upsetting and debilitating and how it can consume the thoughts of someone with a true case of what we call hypochondriasis or you know, being a hypochondriac. And uh, I think it's a really beautifully illustrated example, Chris. Before I talk about it too much, I think that we don't want to get into the trap of over-pathologising people, especially those that have a, a genuine illness and their mood might be directly linked to health problems they may have. Also, some people that might be anxious. I mean, often the, the media and other, you know, kind of awareness campaigns bombard you about be careful of this and if you've got a headache, that, and blurred vision, this, that. It's easy to get anxious about things. So let's not over-pathologise people too much. But as you'd mentioned uh, beautifully, Chris, I guess the difference about hypochondriasis is it's all-consuming nature. You know, the person or the sufferer is so fixated on their perceived illness or illnesses that their ability to function really becomes significantly impaired. So it might have quite significant financial or emotional or psychological consequences. Is there a simple definition of hypochondriasis? Yeah, sure. In summary, we use the DSM, which is basically assists us with diagnostics, and, and it says that it's a preoccupation with the belief or fear of having a serious illness, um, and it occurs without adequate organic pathology and despite repeated medical assurance. So the belief persists, it impacts quite a lot on their ability to function, and they generally disregard medical advice. Many of us joke around with people that we know who complain about a different part of their body uh, health-wise, and we say to them, don't be a hypochondriac. But how do you assess for sure when someone really is a true hypochondriac? It's an interesting question, Chris, and I should say that in emergency, we never really get a definitive diagnosis in this sort of circumstance. So, But there might be a lot of themes that I'd look into to begin with. So that's the first thing I want to know is how many times have they presented to emergency before and why and what, if anything, did we find? I think it's important also that we make sure that all relevant medical assessments have been exhausted best that we can within the hospital or emergency or the community setting. So I guess I might meet with them and I might make note of a few things. Now, how much of a high focus or preoccupation do they have on their, their bodily symptoms, their bodily functions or their bodily features, for example? 
what's their mood like? Do they get anxious really easily or they get aggravated really quickly if their beliefs are challenged? Um, have they been ruminating during the interview about their physical concerns despite the question that is asked? Do they have high levels of, of self-inspection? Um, do they have large amounts of medication and especially medical supplements, things that aren't prescribed by a GP, for example? That aren't prescribed? Um, you know, like vitamin supplements, for example. Um, have they been reading up on medical literature a lot and about medical information on what they think is wrong with them? Do they grandstand or do they feel that they're the expert on this and no one else really is and we can't take them seriously enough? And do they think that everything is much more serious than the doctor or the health professionals might suggest? And how rigid are these? You know, is there just no room in flexibility of their thought um, when we talk to them about alternatives? Um, do they have a number of doctors or specialists or history of many different doctors? You know, have they brought in different medical tests that they've had or different documentation? Do they have a history of having lots of medical tests? Um, some might even be so scared, Chris, that, that they never even see a doctor for fear the, of what they might be diagnosed with. Right. Into each life some rain must fall But too much is falling in my Can you tell me about the hypochondriac you met at the hospital? Yeah, absolutely, Chris, and obviously this will be well de-identified. Um, I do remember a person that came to emergency and was referred to me when the doctor tried to discharge them. And this person became really angry, stating that the doctor was incompetent and had no idea how serious their illness was. So when I met with this person, and, you know, introductions are very difficult, but basically I went in saying, hey, if you talk with me, I'm from mental health, if you talk with me, I can basically keep people's back off forever if there's nothing that we're particularly worried about. And that was kind of my way in with them because I didn't really see any immediate huge risk factors for them. And when I talk about huge, I talk about imminent danger. Um, so when I had a chat with them, um, you know, their mental state was unremarkable. And I add that, that means that I couldn't really ascertain any mood disorder or perceptual illness that might affect our diagnosis. Right. Now, she brought in about 100 or so, I didn't count them all, but it was pages and pages of her own medical history. Wow. And this medical history was written by um, themselves. It was really well organized. It was set into different categories and headings and, you know, it uh, was well typed. And Chris, it went back to 1962 and it included back then bowel movements and the colour of her stool through the 1960s right through to today. Mm. So I think we had the, the high monitoring of bodily functioning pretty well covered there. Um, they had a description of every single test they'd ever had in nearly 40 years and the results. They had a description of every medication that they'd had in the last 35 years and how they reacted to it and whether or not it was beneficial. They were on, Chris, 32 different types of medications per day, and most of these were supplementary medications such as vitamins or cold and flu tablets. And some of these, Chris, were taken two or three times per day. So I counted down, I think it was about 80 pills per day that this person was taking. Wow. Now, all their symptoms were really quite vague, sinus headaches, sore legs, dry mouth, irritable bowel, sore throat, those sorts of things. And they themselves, Chris, had diagnosed themselves with over 20 different health problems. They diagnosed themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that gives an example of how they might ignore or disregard medical advice and how they might see themselves as the expert on such things. Right. Over the last 20 years, they'd had 30 GPs, over one per year. And this, Chris, didn't include the specialists that the GPs had referred to. So, Chris, 
you can see how this is a very sad but a very clear example of how hypochondriasis can really take over one's life and their functioning. Right. Chris, I think the one thing I want to make clear is that one thing I've learned over the years that, is that anyone can get ill. So never pass someone off without doing relevant tests or, you know, encouraging them to seek relevant help, you know, and, and I guess it only takes one occasion to ignore an illness that might be real and your credibility is absolutely gone. Just quickly, in closing, what brings a person to that point in the first place of becoming a hypochondriac? There's a few different theories going around. The main one is really a, an anxiety disorder that might get out of control. You know, some people have also said some people that might have illnesses, genuine illnesses in early life, and that might affect their role. Sometimes it can be their relationships and things like that as well. Um, there's a somatization, which is somatic disorders, where we talk about, for want of a better term, illnesses being triggered by psychological responses and manifest them that way. Um, and there's a number of supports that may or may not be in place. So really the, the big thing that we'd look at is some sort of anxiety. Wow, you must have a tough time uh, in emergency with your job and I know that you need to relax and each time we talk I do ask you how the video game Blur is going on Xbox. Uh, have you um, finished it yet? Ah, uh, mate, I got stuck on it. <laughs> uh, now I'm playing Dirt 3 at the rally game. <laughs> hey, listen, thanks for your time. Young fella, it is always a pleasure. Take care. I've got to go. I'll be late for my doctor's appointment. <laughs> Take all your tests with you. <laughs> Into each life some rain must fall But too much, too much is falling in my Ewan is a specialist in a public hospital emergency department and as he mentioned, there are also legitimate complaints because we all get sick. Many of us get diseases and illnesses. I love the account from history recorded by Mark who wrote where a man smitten with leprosy came to Jesus and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. The man said, if you are willing, you can heal me, make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, be healed. Instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man went out and told everyone what happened and uh, the records show that people from everywhere started coming to Jesus. This is Light and Life. To contact us, go to salvos.org.au slash radio.